ball game over. Yankees win. The Yankees win. This is your United States of America. It is Friday, October 5th, 2018, and you are tuned into Season 2, Episode 39 of the Hitting the Marks Pro Wrestling Podcast, powered by the Roar Network at thegorillaposition.com, and presented by Hameen Media. On this week's show, we're going all around the sports world as we talk some NFL, Major League Baseball, some NBA, and of course some pro wrestling as we preview New Japan Pro Wrestling, King of Pro Wrestling, as well as WWE Super Showdown. But before we dive in, it's my obligation to remind you this is a podcast by the fans for the fans, bringing you all the news that is news from across the professional wrestling world. You can find the show on Twitter at HTMPWPod, on Facebook at Hitting the Marks. Email us at Hitting the Marks at gmail.com. My name is Jargo. I'll be your host for the day, but join me in welcoming in my tag team partner, Huckleberry number one, RBV. Rick, welcome back to your show. It's me, it's me. It's that order to beat it of the Rick Vickery back again to Hitting Mark Pro Wrestling Podcast. And Jargo, I've got one big question for you. Are you ready to put together one hell of a super showdown? Well, I, I'm hoping that your super showdown is the Cleveland Indians versus the New York Yankees in the uh, American League Championship Series after we eliminate those douchebags from Boston. But we will talk a, a little bit of Major League Baseball. If you're talking about the WWE Super Showdown, I'm not really that interested. Yeah, I see. Uh, we, 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 we're going all over. You know, we got a little NFL, some baseball, some basketball, uh, of course, professional wrestling, but. Yeah, we, we've got WWE in there, but we've got some some big news that's it's kind of uh, been making making the circles here over the last couple you know couple of days. Uh, we've got that big event in New Japan. So much to talk about today, man. I'm looking forward to this. One. You know, the, the thing I am most looking forward to talking with you about this week. Oh yeah, the Wolfpack is back, and Kevin Nash is talking some shit. I can't wait to talk to you about some big sexy Kevin Nash. Plus, I, I love playing the Wolfpack theme on this show because it's probably my favorite entrance theme of all time. What's your favorite entrance theme of all time, Huckleberry? Oh, man. That is a tough one. I I, I get so many of them stuck in my head for like days at a time. And I, I'll even, this is not my favorite, but I find myself like once a month, this will get stuck in my head. And it's the is Nikki Bella's entrance. Yeah, yeah, that's a good it's one. Always stuck in my head. Uh, so many, so many good ones over the years. They say it, you know it's all the NWO stuff. Uh, I I really think it's funny too. Like when you're out, if you're if you're one of those diehard wrestling fans, and you're 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 out anywhere, you're, you know, listen to some music. Someone hits the jukebox, and they play some Hendrix, and everyone else goes, mine goes to Hendrix. But if you're a true wrestling fan, you immediately go to Hollywood Hogan. Yep, playing the belt like it was the freaking air guitar. You betcha. (laughs) You know, one of my favorite wrestling themes, I I have to admit, is the Bailey theme. 
I absolutely love Bailey's entrance music. I even had it as my alarm clock the entire time that she was the NXT Women's Champion because I, I couldn't help but wake up and be in a happy mood because it's got that nice, happy bounce to it. Now, whenever I hear Bailey's music, it just pisses me off. There we go. Hey, I, I, you know one that I, that I actually I like? I like Carmella's. I just want to throw that out there just to irritate you. You are such a douchebag. Let's talk about the uh, NFL. Let's stick with the gimmick. All right, Huckleberry, it is Thursday as we record this, and tonight we have a huge game, Colts at Patriots. You know, this is one of those rivalry games that it used to be Manning versus Brady, and now it's been Luck versus Brady. The Colts are way down, but I love Colts versus Patriots. I was gonna. I was gonna ask you how big of a game is this actually? Are you just kind of uh, keeping up with the nostalgia of how great this rivalry once was? But these two teams are completely different places. But we've seen crazier things under the, the bright lights of Thursday night. You could just see Luck uh, reestablishing himself here. Absolutely, or, or I could easily see that. Well, and the Patriots seem to be. They are down. Uh, they usually, they typically don't play as strong as we're going to see them, you know, early season as opposed to when they get that momentum going and you really start looking at the playoffs, the Patriots become a different team. So this could be, you know, one of those early season, an, another letdown for the Patriots. I feel like this is a trap game. That's very much what I feel like. I feel like this is a trap game. Everybody knows that the Patriots should blow out the Colts. The Patriots have a better roster than the Colts. I like to think that Tom Brady at this point in his career is better than Andrew Luck at this point in his career. Luck coming off of basically being out of action for an entire year coming off of injury. But man, you know, there's just one of those things. You get the Colts and the Patriots together and crazy things happen. It's kind of like that Steelers and Ravens game. Just take the record, throw it out and just enjoy the game. I was going to say, you know, I I know we're, we're hoping for a good game, but I still I think the Patriots just walk all over them here. I'm going with Patriots by 14 or 17. Wow. Huckleberry's going big on this one. I'm going to go Patriots by 10. I think it's going to be a bit closer than you do. How about uh, Baltimore and Cleveland? I think this has got to be one of the games of the week. I know, I know we keep talking about Cleveland, but the reality is Cleveland is way better than they have been. Baker Mayfield is probably the most interesting player in the league right now. And the Ravens are on a freaking mission. Yeah, I think this is, uh, I think you're going to see a very close game, uh, probably three quarters. But I, I think that, you know, Baltimore, too much power. They know how to win. They know how to handle themselves in these situations where Cleveland is still trying to find how, you know, find that way. Uh, I'm going to go Baltimore here by probably seven to 10. I'm taking Cleveland by a field goal. I think this is a trap game for the Ravens coming off of that uh, game against uh, Schittsburg, which is always an emotional game for Baltimore. I think Baltimore is going to go into Cleveland and lay an egg. I think Baker Mayfield is going to get his first win as a starter in the NFL this week. Well, there we go. A bold prediction there by Jargo. Yeah, watch him get their asses blown out. Now, now I see. Now you're talking about trap games. I see what you got here next, man. Now, this is a trap game. I don't even know if this is a trap game. I think this is just two of the best teams in the freaking league getting ready to go at it. You've got a great defense in the Saxonville Jaguars. 
taking on Patrick Mahomes and this Kansas City offense that is just out of its freaking mind right now. Patrick Mahomes has thrown more touchdown passes with his left hand than he has thrown interceptions with his right hand this season. It is absurd what Patrick Mahomes is doing down there in Kansas City. Uh, and that's and that this game is at Kansas City is why I would classify this as a trap game as hot as that offense has been. And as people are really looking forward, they think that they're going to go in, you know, at home, they're going to light it up against Jacksonville. But like you said, Jacksonville has got one of the better defenses in the league. They can come in and slow this offense down, keep them in their place. They could silence that stadium. That front seven of Jacksonville, I would put up against any front seven in the NFL right now, not called the Los Angeles Rams because the Rams are just on another level. If if the Rams stay healthy this year, you might as well just hand them the Lombardi trophy because this thing is over. They have the best talent. They have the best offense I think I've seen since the last greatest show on turf when the Rams still resided in St. Louis. I don't know, man. I don't know. NFL just isn't doing it for me this year, Huckleberry. It's not doing it for me at all. But the ratings are up. The scoring is up. People seem to be enjoying the hell out of it. I sh- to me, this is not football anymore. Well, I, I was having this conversation the other day. It just you could the, the difference between the physicality and just kind of what you perceive football to be on the college level as compared to what we're seeing in the pros, it is like night and day between the, these these games. Speaking of the college level, we didn't talk about it. We should have talked about it Monday over in the locker room at Hacker Hameen. How about that Ohio State and Penn State game? My yeah, you God. Know, coming, coming back, listening back to the show, knowing that I didn't feel so well, I, I had that actually on my list of things I wanted to talk to you about, uh, but I just kind of just looked over it during the show, just, you know, I hate to say put it this way, but just trying to get through the episode, you know, uh, you know how I was feeling that day. And that's why I kind of went off the radar, off the grid for a couple of days. And you know, I was just trying to, to nurse myself back to health. Uh, but yeah, what what a great win for the Buckeyes. Keeps the national championship hopes alive. But I want to I want to kind of talk about it because I was mentioned to you. I think you had missed it. Did you get a chance to go back and look at the open? I did. I did. Very you cool talk stuff. About, uh, you talk about an amazing spectacle. I mean, just sitting and watching it on television gave me chills. I mean, it was something that you would – the first thing that I thought of was, man, is, if Vince McMahon is seeing this, I mean, this is WrestleMania-esque. And why hasn't he tried something like a whiteout or something like that? Hats off to you, Happy Valley. That place was rocking last Saturday night. Well, it, it, it was rocking for for about three and a half quarters. Yeah, yeah. Congratulations to the Buckeyes. Sorry for the uh, Nittany Lions. Sorry about your damn luck on that one. Hit me with it, Cowboy. Sorry about your damn luck. Yeah, that's one of my favorite entrance themes right there. The Cowboy James Storm. Always love that stuff. Let's talk a little bit of Major League Baseball. We'll get to my uh, beloved Yankees here in a second. But, Rick, first we have the Brewers taking the division from the Chicago Cubs. And then the Cubs come out, and they lay an egg in a 13-inning marathon game against the Rockies. I got to see the uh, last uh, four or five innings thanks to this thing running super long. Congratulations to the Rockies, but, boy, 
the Fox executives, the TV executives, they have got to be irate with the Chicago Cubs right now. Yeah, when you're sitting here looking at your your next matchup, and you've got Milwaukee in Colorado. Yeah. Yeah. And what what could have been for your national ratings? Yeah, that's got to be. Well, and I mean, and especially when you consider you could have had New York in this thing, Chicago in this thing, Los Angeles in this thing, Houston in this thing. That's your top four markets. Oh, yeah. And then you have fucking Boston, which has fans literally all over the country. They always pull a rating. This was a ratings dream. And the Cubs dropped the ball. Yeah, major letdown ratings-wise. But hey, it's going to be interesting. Well, then you just even look at this this next matchup. You're going to have either the Brewers or the Rockies representing one side of the NL championship. And then you have Atlanta and Los Angeles on the other side. I know my buddy Otto. He's, he's a big Atlanta Braves fan. I hate to tell you, Otto. I'm, I'm going with the Dodgers in that series. Well, hey, the TV executives are, are right behind you there. Well, they yeah. need they need LA. Well, they need a West Coast team, and I mean, yeah, they need LA. I mean, they need that market to begin with, but they need somebody on the West Coast because the West Coast ratings are going to be in the toilet. The most West Coast team they've got to Denver, otherwise, and we well, we're not going to talk about raw ratings, but uh, we saw some ratings come out of Denver here recently, and they weren't very good. Everybody's too busy getting stoned. Let's talk about the uh, the the beloved heroes, the evil empire that is the New York Yankees taking care of business against the A's. Rick, this this thing, you got a hold of me last night as this game was starting, and I was like, dude, I am not worried about Oakland. We are going to win this game. I'm like so not worried about this. In fact, I'm watching NXT in the May Young Classic because I at no point yesterday did I ever feel like, oh, yeah, man, this is going to be a battle tonight. I just felt like the Yankees are going to go in here and we're going to beat the shit out of Oakland. Yeah, I was going to say, you kind of had that feeling going in. This is just one of those necessities. You know, hey, we've just got to get through this game. We're looking forward to the big series. Now, on the flip, you know, we were just talking about ratings. Uh, is, <laughs> the, Rock, the Rockies and Brewers, that might dip, but this one's going to save it. Now, before we talk Yankees and Red Sox, which is going to be the most obnoxious rating that you've ever seen for Major League Baseball, like this will probably outdraw the series, I assume. But I, want, I wanted to ask you about Oakland because Oakland is a fascinating team to me because, of course, they build everything off of analytics. They look at the number. I mean, for God's sake, they brought in their closer in the sixth inning last night because that's what the analytics told them to do. Rick, I think the analytics work great for a 162-game season, but the day the playoffs start, throw all that shit in the trash, right? Yeah, it's great for the marathon, but when you're in a position like this where it's do or die, you have to go with your you got to go with the traditional uh, rely on the manager to make the right moves line up your best players don't worry about the odds just go out there and get it done thought it was a failure in Oakland's game plan and that's why I wasn't worried about Oakland like Oakland is a hell of a team especially if you're playing them in Oakland but come playoff time they're just there's nothing there look at the history yeah it's just the way that franchise is built since they've gone to the money ball system it is, you know, it's 
it is it's about getting there, but they can't get over in the playoffs. Yep. Yep. Let's let's hit the big one here. Yankees Red Sox for the first time since 2004. Here is what is not going to happen. All right, I can guarantee you this much. If the Yankees take a three games to nothing lead, you are not going to hear one Yankee fan talk shit. Not after what happened in 2004. It is payback time, Huckleberry. God, I we want you heard the New York faithful last night. We want Boston. We want Boston. The ratings for this thing are going to be insane. I was going to say you got this thing. This thing is going to kick off uh, Friday night. So as uh, people are listening, fri- listening to us Friday morning and throughout the day to get ready for this thing, this thing is going to go down Friday, 7.30 TBS. This is going to be probably the biggest showdown of this entire postseason. Oh, man, they should have waited until Saturday for this thing to start. So it could have started at 6.05 on the Superstation. I would have popped for that, at least in the central time zone. That's what it would have been. So over the course of the year, these two teams, they play 19 times this year. Boston takes the series this year, 10 to nine. These two teams are about as even as you possibly can be. Rick, I think this thing's going to go seven before the Bombers finally put the Red Sox out of their misery. Uh, did, did you? Uh, do you have anything... Have you reached out for a wager with Strangler? No. Nope. Nope. I'm. We honestly may not talk about this series again until it's over because I am that kind of superstitious nerd. Well, there we go. Then I don't have to watch it because I will be worried on the other side, Indians and Astros. Yeah, I think that's going to be a really good series too. I think there's a lot of people sleeping on Cleveland. Um, and of course, Houston, we saw last year what they're capable of once you get into the playoffs. Who's got home field for that series? Uh, it should be the the Astros. I'm going with Houston in seven then. Yeah, they have it. I just got pulled it up right here. I, I wasn't sure. I wasn't sure. I don't pay a whole lot of attention to uh, baseball outside of the Yankees over the course of the regular season. Yeah, you've got Astros are coming in at 103 and 59. Uh, Indians are coming in at 91 and 71. God, that American League this year is just insane. They said last night like 174 wins between the Yankees and Oakland last night, and it all comes down to a one-game playoff. I am not a fan of the wild card system in Major League Baseball. I think it's stupid. Play 162 games for a one-game playoff. Just absolutely absurd. Rick, let's let's talk a little bit of NBA. And it's not even really NBA that I want to talk to you about. It's a, a couple of stories from inside of the NBA this week. Kyrie Irving. Of course, you know, you and I are both Kyrie Irving guys because Kyrie Irving went to Duke and now I hate his guts because he plays for fucking Boston. But Last year, there was this huge controversy. Kyrie Irving comes out and he says that the world is flat. Well, this week, he has come out and he has apologized for saying that the world is flat. And he says, even if you believe that, don't come out and say that stuff. That's for intimate conversations because perception and how you're received, it changes. 
And basically what he's saying is, boy, do people think I'm a fucking moron now because I said the world is flat. But what I really wanted to bring this to you is inside of a pro wrestling context. We're seeing a lot of these people going on social media and they're saying stupid stuff all the time. And it changes our perception, not only of the performer, but especially of the characters and this social media and how do we use social media in a 2018 pro wrestling context? I think this is where that conversation begins. Well, it's going to kind of go back to what Kyrie, it's not really, he didn't really apologize. Now he's, he's just basically saying, I'm sorry that you think I'm an idiot. Right. I think he's, he's just coming to the realization that. Yeah. Just keep your mouth shut. Just keep your mouth shut. Uh, but yeah, in pro wrestling terms, I mean, we have this conversation all the time and, and I guess it works both ways because, you know, for those of us that have seen through the act, it has fueled, you know, a lot of, you know, our, I don't want to say resentment, but you know, how we have approached Nia Jax. Yeah. That's a great because example right there through that. But on the flip side, how she has presented herself and the, you know, over the, uh, the struggles that I go through and you need to just be beautiful with who you are. That got her over that shit. Got her awards. Now we can see through that. I still think it's hilarious. that They're giving awards to her freaking gimmick name. That, that yeah. part just cracks me up. That's the part that makes that story. So, so worth it. Yeah. So it is, and it's it's about how you use it, and you, you really need to be careful in how you're presenting oneself or your brand, because it can it can get interpreted so many different ways. On the other hand, today, if you ordered the digital edition of WWE 2K19, you can play. WWE 2K19 right now. Just go turn on your PlayStation and download it. If you have it pre-ordered, you can play it right now. But you know who you can't play as? You can't play as Tommaso Ciampa because Tommaso Ciampa says, fuck your video game. I'm the champ. And even in your little fantasy world, you can't beat me. That's using social media the right way. And it, there was a handful of individuals that were excluded, correct? And it was kind of like rumored that they had chose not to be yeah. included in the game. Yep. Was there was there any more to that? I mean, reasoning why? I don't know. I never really looked into it, honestly. I, n- I never really thought that much about it to look into it. Um, I don't even have a list of the names or anything. The only one that really stood out to me that like, wow, he should absolutely be in the game was Ciampa. We got Ciampa, Almas. Oh, Almas isn't in the game? That's what I'd heard, but I'd seen some screenshots of Vega. I'm not as overly into video games as some of our listeners and all that, so to me, I just didn't really dive that deep into the story. But I do remember going back to, to like basketball games. You would never see, or it was rare that you would see Jordan included. Yeah. Because yeah. he he didn't deal when it came to that licensing. It was through his personal brand instead of going through the Players Association. Yeah, I do remember that now that you say that. <clears throat> yeah, I mean, it's like, like NBA Jam. 
Like you would always yeah. have, you'd have Pippen. Pippen and Armstrong. Uh, or, and then when you could go like to the three one, you had Grant in there. Yep. You would like for Tecmo basketball. How great was oh. Horace Grant? God, I oh, loved man, Horace I loved Grant. Grant. Or, or, you know, all the NBA lives back then. Yeah. You wouldn't, Jordan was not included there because his licensing deal was different than the Players Association. One of my personal favorite players of all time has got to be the biggest shit talker in the history of the National Basketball Association. And his name is Gary Payton. And Gary Payton happened to play for a team that resided in Seattle that was known as the Supersonics. Huckleberry, the Supersonics, they are still over. They are making news all over. ESPN covered this freaking story. All right. Now, I hate to burst all you pro wrestling fans. I hate to burst your little bubble. I've been seeing all over all kinds of pro wrestling websites over the last couple of days. Oh, my God. Elias and Kevin Owens are amazing. They are the best heels that I've ever seen. Oh, my God. Listen to that deafening boo. You guys, this had absolutely nothing to do with Elias. This had absolutely nothing to do with Kevin Owens. You could have stood Jesus Christ in the middle of that ring and had him say that line about basketball in Seattle, and he would have gotten booed out of the building. Well, I was going to say, you know, immediately, I think who, who kind of summed this up perfectly was our friend MSG. Yeah, they're still pissed, dude. Gage, he came out and said, he said, you know what? We're still pissed about that up here. It could have been anyone that said this thing. They were going to get that heat. Now, the reason I really wanted to talk to you about this, of course, you reside there in northern Ohio. You guys had a situation very, very similar, very similar to what happened with the uh, Supersonics in Seattle and them moving in the middle of the night to Oklahoma City. I seemingly remember Cleveland going through an experience very much like this. What kind of succumb? What was the mood in the city for a decade after that happened? Well, I was going to say, you know, I I wasn't there during the move. Uh, That was quite a while before. I had made the move myself to the area. Uh, but even to this day, there is still a bitterness. Yeah. Baltimore Ravens, they are absolutely the heels in Cleveland. Well, let's go back even to Cleveland as a city. They they stood up for themselves. They, re- they refused to completely give in. And they took it to court and went after the name, the Browns. So that it, it would forever be attached to the city of Cleveland. Yeah, and that was a, a messy, messy situation. And Sonic's Gate was not very much better. There's actually freaking documentaries made about this and how pissed off the city of Seattle is. And I think it's an absolute farce that the Supersonics are not back in Seattle already. My God, it's been a decade, dude. I think there's only like two players in the league that ever wore a Seattle jersey that are still in the league. And Kevin Durant's one of them. Yeah, because that would have been his rookie, right? Yep. His rookie year, man. You talk about some fun teams to watch back in the day. Oh man! Uh, when, when they, you know, when they made it to the finals against the Bulls, I thought for sure that yeah. they had the power to do it. Yeah, Gary Payton and Sean Kemp and Detlef Schrempf. And, oh my God! Yeah, that team was insane. Sean Kemp, one of the uh, 
most underrated players in the history of basketball, and then the ultimate shit talker, Gary Payton. Even Michael Jordan didn't like playing against Gary Payton because Gary Payton talks so much shit. I, I've got a I got a funny Kemp story. Uh, this kind of plays it because this upcoming weekend is actually my class reunion, my twentieth reunion. Uh, but this goes back a little bit further than a graduation year, uh, back to eighth grade. My girlfriend, Ellen Oliver, and, and she she, ended, she graduated with me, so she will be at the reunion this week. But we were dating all the way back in eighth grade, and she knew how much I loved Sean Kemp, and she bought me a Sean Kemp jersey, and she was going to give it to me like at a, maybe like on a Friday or at a dance or something like that. So I knew it was coming. So I'm waiting on my Sean Kemp thing. What ended up like that Wednesday? We got in a fight and broke up, and that. That, that stupid bitch gave my jersey to my fucking friend Nick. Oh, I give him both shit to this day when I see him. Does he still got the jersey? I hope not. <laughs> I hope he doesn't show up wearing it. <laughs> hey, you know what? If he can still get into it, then fucking all, by all means, wear it this weekend. More power to him. All right, let's talk some wrestling now that we've killed God knows how much time talking about real sports. Yeah. Yeah, wrestling. First of all, Huckleberry, we, we have to address the biggest story coming out of the world of professional wrestling over the course of this week. I would personally like to welcome the heartbreak kid, Shawn Michaels, into the Bald is Beautiful Club. Yeah. Uh, kind of a different uh, a different sight there, or a different look for one HBK. Yes, welcome to the club, Sean. Welcome to the club. That is that is by far the biggest story in the history of wrestling at this point. I can't believe how much this story is blown up. That Shawn Michaels is bald. It's kind of humorous to me. Well, I was gonna say that. I mean, maybe, maybe now we can get him to join the the Hameen platform. Hey, there you go. You know, we got we got you, Ray, Strangler, Ben, Bello. Bello's bald. Yeah, I assume he's always got a hat on, so I assume that Bello is bald. Him and that stupid ass Mets hat. And being a a Mets fan, he's probably just pulling his hair out. <laughs> if I think most Mets fans are bald at this point. Tremendous. Uh, being the elite, being the elite is back. Thank God for the love of God. Being the elite is back. This was by far the best wrestling show that I have watched this week. And it had almost as much wrestling on it as Monday night raw, which was none at all. Uh, Huggleberry, did you get to watch the newest episode of being the elite as of yet? I did. You sent me the link, uh, yesterday, correct? Yeah. I don't remember. I don't remember. A day or so. Whenever you, whenever you sent it, that was the first thing I did. And that's what I was thinking is it's back, baby. It's back. TikTok, 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 TikTok. Boy, they are teasing this thing hard. They are teasing this thing so hard that I don't think it's going to happen. But boy, the theme throughout this thing is Matt's poor back is giving out on him. He can't keep wrestling this style. That's what's going on here. It's it's just become too much for him. If if only there were some place where they could wrestle a little bit slower style and just make a whole bunch of money and slow things down a little bit. We saw Hangman got a new pair of boots 
and it came from some some stranger, somebody that we've never heard mentioned on the show before. But there was a note that said that if you want to be an assassin, you have to be more cerebral. And it was signed H. I don't know what the hell that means. I don't know who H is supposed to be, but he... He had a lot of money because that was a really nice looking pair of boots that that were sent to the hangman. Rick, they are teasing this thing hard. Absolutely, absolutely love that they are working this angle. Yeah, it's great. They, they, this is this is so perfect. They are pulling this thing off. Hey, and they are going to they're going to ride this wave all the way to the bank. I don't think it's going to happen. Uh, we, we, we've now heard that Hangman has turned down a WWE contract, and I think people are, are running with that thing a little too fast, too. Um, I, I haven't heard that Hangman has signed anywhere else. Have you? No? Nope. No contracts on the table for Hangman Page as of yet. Yeah, he may have said no to WWE right now, but, you know, that might change here in the course of about three well, months. It, and you got to realize... He's got he's got people in his ear, you know. He's obviously got Cody there, who's dealt with some things. Uh, he's got other connections with individuals that are currently working there. We don't know what this initial offer was. It could have been something, you know, that he looked at and you know, suck out some, he got some advice from these other individuals, and they were like, "Don't play ball just yet. Hold I, out for a better deal." I do think Hangman Page ends up in the WWE. And honestly, I, if you look at this, this this entire crop that we have in Bullet Club, I think when you look at the the truly the grand picture, like long term, I think Hangman probably has the opportunity for the most success in WWE. Yeah, I think you're right. Given his age, given where he is inside of his development, given his look, given his size, given his style, I I I don't think it happens. In the next couple of years, I mean, he, he has all the tools to be a major player for them. He has everything that they want. I mean, he's, he's got, you know, the looks, a uh, very marketable guy, great personality, can handle himself on the stick. Could work baby or heel. And I think, and I think he would adapt just fine to the WWE ring style. Yeah. I, it's kind of like the Adam Cole conversation. It's like, you, you, there's a lot of people that are like, Wow, Adam Cole is really slowed down. No, that he's still Adam Cole. This is the same style of match that he has always wrestled. I I like it when he gets to wrestle longer matches. I feel like he can tell a better story in the ring when you get to showcase him more. But when you look at that Adam Cole versus Ricochet for the North American Championship, that's an Adam Cole match and there's nothing about it that is super flashy or it's the, the character of Adam Cole is what makes Adam Cole hangman's the same way. He wrestles a very, very similar style. I think hangman and Marty are the two guys that eventually, whether it's in the next three months or if it's in the next three years, hangman and Marty are going to end up under a WWE umbrella. No pun intended. Yeah, I definitely, definitely see that happening. But again, you know, the worries with Marty is, you know, where, what is his stealing? What role is there for him in WWE? Well, the thing is, when you look at what's going on down inside of NXT, you look at the stars of five years from now, that roster is shrinking, like literally shrinking. The, the six foot six, the six foot seven guys, 
they're not becoming the standard. They're becoming the exception. So, well, it's, we regularly talk about it. When you look at like a takeover, you take away Lars. three, three, four individuals, and you essentially have a 205 show. Yep. Uh, Tony Nese wrestled Johnny Gargano last night on NXT TV. It was a fantastic match, but good God, Tony Nese is bigger than Johnny Gargano. And for some reason, Tony Nese made it seem like going to NXT was a promotion for him, which I thought was kind of weird after wrestling on 205 Live. That Doesn't that seem like a lateral move to you? Well, I, which I think you're going, you have to embrace any kind of move. Uh, you know, it's just like, what do you get traded from? You know, what do you get traded from the Yankees to Baltimore? You still want to embrace it for that audience. Yeah, that would suck. That would suck. <laughs> so, Huckleberry, it seems like Monday, Monday, we're going to have something else big to talk about, and that is going to be a new member of Los Ingobernables de Japón. Uh, and this thing has lit the internet world on fire. And then we have the next story coming out, which is Neville has returned to Dragon Gate. Of course, a lot of people thought that Neville was going to be this new LIJ member. That's how these two stories absolutely tie in together. We do know that it's going to be a junior. We know that he is Hiromu approved. Uh, my um, immediate thought was Kawato. Uh, the young lion who's been down in CMLL on excursion for the better part of a year. He's looking rather uh, ingovernable these days. What do you think? Anybody immediately come to mind? And so help me God, if it's Dragon Lee, I'm going to puke. <laughs> I was actually going to ask you about him because I remember you mentioned him the other day. But I, I, let me ask you this, uh, to throw a question at you on the topic. Do you think there would be, as you said, we know it's going to be a junior. Would would Neville want that role, knowing that there was speculation that he wasn't happy being regulated to that position in WWE, or ultimately was it more about even just the respect and the money that he was missing out on? Um, hmm, that's a that's a good question. Because uh, I don't know as though the, the cruiserweight part is the part that necessarily bothered Neville. It was the getting left off of the WrestleMania main card and put on the pre-show. And then, you know, that starts messing with finances. And then there was right. the amount of house shows. I mean, the juniors, while I, I don't feel like the juniors are treated as equals on a show when it comes to like a Wrestle Kingdom or a King of Pro Wrestling or a Dominion, when you look at the full scope of the year, there's a junior world tag league. You have the best of the super juniors, which is essentially a super junior G1. The juniors are treated very much as equals to the heavyweights, but you, you're right. Neville may want to be considered a heavyweight at this point. Well, and, and I was, I, I'm with you. I was more of the mindset all along. It was more just about overall treatment and opportunity, financial opportunity in WWE that drove him away. Yeah. I don't consider junior to be the dirty word in new Japan that cruiserweight is in the WWE. Well, then I also wonder, you know, maybe if it is, if they are going in that direction with him, you know, maybe the deal is, hey, man, come in, have some of these great matches on the undercard in our junior division. We'll build you up there, and then, then 
make that transition within a year to a heavyweight. But do you think they would they would do that? I don't know. It seems to be going on quite frequently here all of a sudden. Um, we just saw Tai Chi move up from the junior division. It seems Osprey is obviously poising himself for a move up from the junior division. Um, of course, Kenny started as a junior. Coda started as a junior. Coda still is a junior as far as I'm concerned. Um, we saw Balor wrestle Locata when he was the junior heavyweight champion. That He was one of the big ones that stood out because that never happens where you see a, a junior wrestle the IWGP heavyweight champion. Zack Sabre Jr. is a junior. Yeah, and he's wrestling up. Um, you know, we see Mari, you know, he's teasing that right now with his gimmick and all that, which is, is gold. The Bucks just moved up to heavyweight. I Overall, with Neville, I just don't know, you know, after coming out of, you know, compared to like a relationship, you come off a bad breakup like that, do you really want to jump back into a, to another one yeah uh, to me i think he would just be he just for the time being might be best just kind of you know handling his own affairs and floating about uh what did you think of neville going back to dragon gate a lot of people are taking that as a surprise that he didn't go for something a bit more high profile i just i thought it was a, a great way to you know to reappear on the scene yeah, I, to me, it seemed completely logical. Uh, Neville does not strike me as the kind of person who will be taken advantage of. Uh, I, I don't think that he wants to go into a New Japan just because he's the hottest new free agent. I don't think he wanted to go to All In just because he's the hottest new free agent. I don't think he wants anybody getting a boost off of his name right now unless it's dragon gate which is home that's where he was before he went to nxt and the wwe nice to see him back man god damn that red arrow is one of the most beautiful professional wrestling moves i think that i've ever seen yeah i, I agree with you 100 here jargo it's you know and i think you, you you phrase it just perfectly you know don't let people take advantage of him and and he's shown he's shown the world that he's willing to stand up for himself. He stood up to the, the biggest corporate machine in professional wrestling and walked from it. Yep. He's going to bide his time here, pick his spots and do what's best for him. Yep. And I think that's what he should be doing. Plus it now gives me a reason to watch dragon gate. Let's talk about something that eight track black is very, very excited about. It seems as though everything is poised for WrestleMania to come to Minneapolis, Minnesota, right in 8-Track Black's backyard. Shout out to uh, Michael Davis, 8-Track Black. Huckleberry, what do you think? You going to go up to Minnesota for WrestleMania? I'll, I'll take this one. I'll travel to Minnesota for this one. You know, I, I immediately, everybody's like, yeah, hell yeah, I'll go to Minnesota because obviously we have a lot of friends here in the Midwest. Hell yeah, I'll go to Minnesota. And it's like... Why? Why? Because it's WrestleMania. But hey, Minnesota is a nice town. I, I understand that. But here's the thing. Man. Like, for the better part of a year now, we have been tearing down the WWE and talking about how shitty it is. Why do I want to go to Minneapolis for WrestleMania weekend? Because it's it's a bigger, it's a bigger picture than just WWE. It's a it's a it's a festival, it's a gathering of 
a professional wrestling enthusiast. Well, see, and then I thought, well, you know, just because I go doesn't mean that I have to go to WrestleMania. I mean, hell, I could at least go to TakeOver. That'd be at the Target Center. I just, I, I don't feel any want, need, or desire to go to a WWE show with no, I would 80,000 people right now. No, I absolutely would be, would be down with that completely. Just go for the weekend, go for the experience, go hit all the other shows. Hit all the other conventions that are going on, all the other happenings, and just hang out. Yeah, I just I don't feel like WrestleMania is worth my money at this if, point. If, if there were, you know, if we could even get you know a group in the circle that that we run in that would go out there and just like rent a private room at a restaurant where we could watch it. Minnesota is uh, a beautiful country, and I, now, I do love Minneapolis. Now you know that dif- now here's a little difference though. We're talking about traveling to Minnesota. I would go there for WrestleMania because it's in April. I would not go to Minnesota for a Super Bowl because I don't want to deal with that weather. Me, me. I live in Iowa, dude. Like my weather sucks just as much as it does in Minnesota. So, yeah, me. I know that's what I'm saying. My weather in Northern Ohio sucks just as much. So I'll just stay here. Yeah, right. If I want to see a whole bunch of ice and snow and shit. And then I bless that damn Minnesota accent, the Minnesota accent. It's like, dude, you're not Canada. Stop. Get over yourselves. Let's talk about Big Sexy. I like this story. Yeah, Wolfpack music twice. Love it. So Kevin Nash recently did an interview with the sportingnews.com. Rick, did you have a chance to read through this thing? Oh, yeah, definitely. Uh, when I saw this pop up, I was all over this story. But, you know, really, I love every time that someone, you know, kind of asks Nash about this, but he's been sticking with this same answer re- repeatedly over the years. Yeah, and there, there's a lot of people and that would time, argue. But every time it gets the new era of smart so worked up. And every time people can point to the fact that what he said in this interview kind of ties directly to the downfall of WCW and the downfall of TNA wrestling. So the Sporting News uh, talked to Kevin Nash and basically wanted to know what they what big sexy thought about uh, Undertaker taking on Triple H as opposed to somebody from the new era taking on Undertaker or Triple H to get that rub, to make a new star. And Kevin Nash comes back with your headline, no one cares about the young guys. When I watched SummerSlam, that Undertaker and Triple H package caught my eye and it made me want to see that match. I don't know if I want to see Roman Reigns versus Undertaker again. What more of a rub can you give that? He's been given rubs before, and they just aren't getting over. So, basically, Kevin Nash says, yeah, we got to rely on all these stars from 20 years ago because all the new guys suck. That's pretty much uh, Kevin Nash's uh, message here. That's Well, what have you been screaming for the past month? Oh, no. I understand that. I just, I don't agree with it. I, I don't want Roman Reigns is, can't do his job. Oh, yeah. I understand that. And the ratings are showing it. But you know what? The ratings are also showing that nobody gives a fuck about watching a bunch of 50-year-old men beat each other up anymore. Well, I think the bigger picture here is, and maybe what Nash is talking about, when he's talking about the old guys, the love is still there for them because what did they have? 
character. People could invest, could relate. Now the turnoff is that they just don't look the role anymore. They're not the same figures. The current crop, they're all cookie cutter duplicates of one another. When you break it down, there's no difference from top to bottom, almost anyone on that damn roster. Where are the real characters? Where is the emotional investment and connection for fans? It's not there. Now, I guess the question becomes, how much of that is on the talents themselves and how much of that is on terrible shit-ass creative? I really think, you know what, it's really easy right now to blame creative in the company directive. Okay, but well, let, let's take one of the guys that's mentioned here. You know, like Kevin Nash goes on to say, who, who are you going to put in those positions? You're going to put Finn Balor in there versus The Undertaker? Well, let, let's take a look at Finn Balor here, all right? Maybe if they wouldn't have ruined his entire fucking gimmick. Maybe if Finn Balor didn't go on social media and act like a fucking pansy. Like, it, it, it's this dichotomy, man, where it's like somebody do something. To me, to me in any storytelling, you have what you can invest. Like I was saying, when you need something that's relatable, but not just where you can be that person. It's someone that you're in awe of, that the characteristics you're relating to are so much grander than what you could actually accomplish yourself. That's why we had those great larger-than-life stars of Hawkamania and Stone Cold and The Rock and, and so on like that. That's why we had those. Someone like Finn Balor, he's connecting to the fans because every little half-assed comic book nerd that loves professional wrestling can be Finn Balor. They're not in awe of him. He's not a larger-than-life figure. He's one of them. But isn't this the same thing that we praise the Young Bucks and Cody and Kenny and the Golden Elite for? Isn't this exactly why All In happened? Because they're approachable on social media? Because they interact with their fans? Because they their fans can see themselves in them? Like, we can't have it both ways, man. Like, you know, it's like, what, what the fuck? Where is this happy balance at? And I, that's the question now. I think there there is a little difference there because all in you go to a grander level. You know the Bucks are these guys. They they are becoming the larger than life because they are starting to conquer the unthinkable. They're taking on and changing an industry. They went out and just start it just ran a, a show that for the first time since the days of WCW outside of WWE was a promotion that could sell out 10,000 seats. That's a little bit different than your freeze framing grab dicking. You can just be this guy. I don't know. I think the WWE has a real problem on their hand when it comes to social media. You can't be telling the stories that they are trying to tell. Well, and then ultimately, ultimately WWE themselves is encouraging this. Right, and I think you know, that's the run, biggest like, problem specials, here. Like they run these specials. You've got Alexa Bliss. This is going back a little bit. You know, she's your hottest heel in the company. That when she was really hitting her stride there. And then you're running specials on the network about how her and her mom are best friends and her upbringing and how wonderful of a person she is. 
I mean, you're biting, you're biting yourself in the ass with this kind of stuff. Well, it's like, I saw pictures the other day from a charity event that they were doing and they had the Miz and Becky Lynch. Those were the two superstars that they sent to go do uh, a big charity event. And it's like, God, you watch their, those two characters and how they're presented on television at this point. Yeah. That's exactly who I want to send to a children's hospital, you know? Well, it's, just, it's, yeah. So ultimately it's, it's not so much, I, I think it's. Like I said, it's just very easy to blame the company because ultimately it is the, that they are the issue. It's the directive they want to go in. They don't, they don't care how these people present themselves online, but, but, but if, but if you're a talent, be smart enough to recognize that yourself, you know, look at Chapa, what he's doing. Look how he's using that. He works for WWE, but he still realizes what someone of his size to really get to get over or, you know, in the eyes of management to move forward, he's going to need something like that. Here's a couple other people that are absolutely tone deaf when it comes to social media. Uh, that being Brie Bella and Daniel Bryan. Uh, th- this is absolutely disgusting to me, Rick. Brie Bella comes out on Twitter and she says, as a first time mom, I've never experienced unconditional love like this. The way she loves on me, needs me, and makes me feel that I'm her whole world. Her sweet smile makes my day better. Her laugh sounds like heaven, and her hugs make my heart skip a beat. We were all babies at one time, filled with innocence, laughter, and love. We never judged, hated, or bullied people. We'd look in the mirror and played peekaboo with ourselves and think our shadow was the best thing ever. We just simply lived. I hope people can find that feeling again. Happiness. Happy people don't waste their time or energy on being cyber bullies. Miserable people do. If you aren't living the life you wish, I pray that you find what makes your heart happy and stop wasting energy on promoting hate. For the happy people, silence hate. Don't let it bring you down. What a heaping pile of steaming shit. Oh, my God. Uh, uh, Talking out of the side of your mouth, bitch mode. (laughs) Yes. That's exactly what this is. The hell with Brie mode. This is talking out of the side of your mouth, bitch mode. And, and, and then the worst part of this entire thing, you know, I've seen some other tech or some other tweets from her as well, or just, you know, messages through social media. She still hasn't apologized for anything. No, she, I'm sure she doesn't feel like there is anything to apologize for. Sorry, I just just kicked your face in. Well, and, and then uh, the worst part of this entire story is then Daniel Bryan comes to Bree's defense as well. And I, I was all right with most of this, with most of this. I understand Bree's getting a lot of shit on social media. I understand Brian wants to defend his wife, but this shit at the end, man, this shit at the end, this is what Brian had to say. I am proud of how strong my wife is after accidentally injuring Liv Morgan last week. The first time Breeze ever hurt another performer. That's debatable. She's been subject to a constant barrage of social media attacks. Almost 
Every wrestler has accidentally hurt someone, but rarely do you see this kind of hate when it happens, Seth Rollins. For example, I concussed Randy Orton in 2012 after hitting him with what was supposed to be a chair to the back. Unfortunately, part of it hit him in the side or hit him in the back of the head, and he was forced to miss a pay-per-view in 2009 in our last match against each other. I concussed Nigel McGuinness after doing a dive on him into the crowd where his head hit the floor, and there are others. For yes, as for the yes kicks, two weeks ago, I accidentally kicked Andrade directly in the head due to a miscommunication on my part. I feel fortunate that he was okay, but there are a few feelings worse than hurting someone. Despite all of that, never did I receive the backlash. Really? Bree did this last week. With all the negative things said about my wife, nobody was harder on her than she was. Thank you to the many people who reached out to support her, both publicly and privately. We all wish Liv Morgan a speedy recovery. I'm fine with all of that. And then he hashtagged it and cyberbullying. Fuck you, Brian. That That is what immediately my eyes went to the hashtag. I uh, just started just started laughing a little bit, but you know again here, what what's the need for this? Why stir the pot? Here's an idea: shut Take off your of, fucking phone. Watch well, what I say. Take care of business backstage. Yeah, you know, approach Liv. Uh, obviously, this was an accident. Bree's not out there trying to hurt anyone. Uh, now, should she be wrestling that style? That you know, that is debatable. But she's not out there trying to injure anyone. She is a trained professional. Accidents do happen inside the ring. But yep. take care take care of your business behind closed doors. This seems so incredibly tone deaf to me. From both of these two. Like, dude, you're a freaking celebrity. Shit happened. You think you're getting cyberbullied? You remember what happened to the the Minnesota kicker a couple of weeks ago? Check out his Twitter feed sometime. You know, it'd be hilarious. I just I would I just want the Miz and Maurice to start cyberbullying Brian and Bree. Oh my gosh! Yes, we will talk about the Miz and Daniel Bryan in segment two when we talk about the Super Showdown. I'm gonna be so sad when this show is over and I can't do that anymore. We'll have to figure out something special for Crown Jewel. Huggleberry, I'm going to do something I don't normally do. I have something I would like to put over from Monday Night Raw this week. Yeah, that doesn't happen very often, does it? Yeah, and what I'm going to put over, I'm going to put over Corey Graves. Of all people, I'm going to put over Corey Graves. Hipster Cole, you're going to put over Hipster Cole. Yep, because Corey Graves said one thing on Monday Night Raw that makes the whole thing so much better. It actually put stakes in something. Roman Reigns came out and he interfered in that match with uh, Dean Ambrose and Braun Strowman. And what does Corey Graves say? That Dean Ambrose should be upset because his purse is going to be lighter at the end of the night. When's the last time we talked about money and professional wrestling and the winner actually winning more money? Heaven forbid we actually put stakes on shit again. Hey, you know what? I'll give him even more props. He's been actually talking about that quite often. That's great. Uh, he, drops, he drops it every couple weeks where he will talk about, you know, go, going over and taking home a bigger cut of the, you know, the winner's check. Yep. Bobby, uh, the brain used to talk about that. 
all the time. And it made, you know, these pointless matches that we're seeing on TV actually feel important. Suddenly there's a reason this guy wants to win. And there's a reason this guy wants to win, even though there's nothing on the line here. Well, it, you know, which actually to the whole dynamic, you could even, you know, work in fines. Yeah. You know, not, not, to, not just, just Roman cutting into Dean's earnings. Hey, you interfered in a match. Why aren't you getting slapped with a fine? Yeah, absolutely. And then maybe you get suspensions and then maybe you get trades and we have contract negotiations because when his contract comes up, well, you remember when you suspended me that one time because I did this? Uh-uh. Nope. I well, ain't then, resigning with then, Raw. I'm going to SmackDown. But then, but then you wouldn't just have the importance of the the shakeup that every idiot fucking loves. And you'd have to actually get creative in how you use your authority figures. I know. I ask for so much. I'm so nitpicky. Oh, Rick, this, the, these shows are just driving me crazy. So let's, uh, let's call, uh, let's call segment one there. Let's go ahead. We'll throw it over to a break. And then we're going to come back and Rick, we're, we're going to do it. We're going to do a preview for the super showdown in Melbourne, Australia this weekend, as well as King of Pro Wrestling coming to us from Raya Goku Monday morning. We got a lot more to come in segment two. We'll be right back. This is me, black and most hated in all 50, from genocide to swastikas and right-wing committees. This is me, the witness to governmental conspiracy, overcrowded cells, breed addicts to feed my street. This is me, the one the area nation want to touch. Burn my church, set me up, all time, wet me up, and at the same time, my own block, hole in nine, and a bullet with my name in case I go against the grain. America sleeps while children play with cyber sex And my neighbors hard to love Cause I know we child molest Money manifests the greed Greed manifests the murder Murder manifests revenge So hold the cycle of the sin I shot Lucifer Christ compel me Christ compel me We bring the truth to light Shock the world with it Shock the world with it A governmental conspiracy to murder me Descendants of Charles Manson never seem to cease Cause every day man impregnates the belly of the beast This is me, in the United States of amnesia Your state of union don't address me when my block is in the seizure This is me, the revolution televised in the century Millennium Armageddon, every time you hear remission This is me, I fight holy wars with the knock-offs Race wars in modern Vietnam, they yelling This is me, I circle your intrigue I'm standing at the foot of martial law and money got the kids impressed with the president in jail he in office having sex politicians ain't real motherfuck the police and the cells on the insides of jails in the street but i shot lucifer christ compel me christ compel me we bring the truth to light shock the world with it shock the world with it a governmental conspiracy to murder me i shot lucifer christ compel me christ compel me we
All right, Huckleberry, we're back for segment two. That was Bionic Jive with their nice, happy song, I Shot Lucifer. Going back, Bionic Jive, huh? Going back a ways. That's, that's from the early 2000s. Like those guys a lot. For some reason, they never really caught on, though. You know, it, it kind of reminds me of the Super Showdown. Going down this Saturday from the Melbourne Cricket Ground in Melbourne, Australia. Rick, you know, we, we talked Monday in the locker room. If they were going to do anything on Monday or Tuesday to sell me on watching this show, not so much, man. Yeah, it's they really they didn't do that. Go to that extra step to try to get people really invested here. Uh, do you really think it's what do you think their expectation is for the reception for this show on the network? I have no idea. I really have no idea. I mean, this is we, we, we've seen them do this a few times now. I mean, they did the Beast in the East from uh, Tokyo back in the day. And it seemed like there was like a great there was a great deal more excitement around that show. Well, and then they did the UK shows, which were at like, you know, three o'clock in the afternoon. And then they did the greatest Royal Rumble. I mean, they've done this a few different times now. And I think people are just realizing hey, they're building this up to be a big show, and it's really a house show in Melbourne, Australia. I think there's some interesting things here, but it's also with so much going on, and we're just getting repeats for most of this card outside of the special attractions. Yep. Yep. Outside of Universe C. It all even said, you know, even like the Greatest Rumble. For me, I, I, I love the rumble concept. I love battle Royals. So that was a, a drawing point for me. They actually did a little business there. I just don't really know what, how much business they're going to, they're going to do here outside of maybe of a handful of things. Yeah. I I'm with you. Well, let's- as, I, as I'm really sitting here looking at saying, we're going to run through it. We'll talk about them, but I think probably what they're going to be in their eyes, probably the biggest piece of business they're going to do here is either set up, DX versus the brothers for Crown Jewel and set up Nikki versus Ronda. Well, and the number one contenders match between Brian and Miz. But I think in their eyes, I, I think that's a, a di- that's way in the back of their minds so when it comes to when they're, you know, listing out what's important to them. Yeah, that's true. That's true. Because as we all know, AJ Styles is not only a terrible father, he's actually a mid-card champion, even though he's walking around with the WWE championship. Let's go ahead. Let's kick things off with your your, your big attraction, Triple H with the no-hair kid taking on The Undertaker with Mayor Kane for the last time ever. Well, at least until we get to Saudi Arabia. Um, Well, it'd be the last time in a singles match. I don't know, man. It, it just it, it it seems stupid to me to market anything as the last time ever when there very easily could be business coming forward out of this match. You know, to just come out and say this is the last time we're going to get this match. I don't believe that. Well, it's, it's, that's just true in professional wrestling. Yep. Uh, unless someone's dead, don't you done. It's never the last time. Yeah, pretty much. You know, I I think the most interesting thing in doing my research for this uh, this show is the fact that this match was actually scheduled on June sixteenth, coming out of Money in the Bank. That's when this match was actually announced that this was going to be your feature matchup. This thing does not feel like it has had four months of build. 
Well, again, it goes back to this is just a special attraction. Yet they've done more to hype this match than anything else that's going to be on this show anyway. Uh, but I think, you know, what's interesting, I'm not, not particularly looking forward to the match itself, uh, but what kind of business are they going to do coming out of this thing? Are they going to set up, you know, what everybody is expecting, that being the tag match in Saudi Arabia? Are they going to go in a different direction? Uh, is What is the deal here for Shawn Michaels as it pertains to his in-ring performances? How many are how many are they actually have they come to terms with? How many, you know, is, how many do you want to see? How, do I want to see none? Well, yeah, I'm with you. But now working, one. but now working under. All right, that's not a possibility. You've got him in the ring. You've got something going on here. If I'm putting myself in WWE shoes, I'm looking at this from a marketing standpoint. I think you're going to go ahead with that tag match with Saudi Arabia. That's what those people want. That's going to get that audience moving. That's in the books. That's going to be there. Now to try to appease your Western smart audience, then I, as long as everything goes okay in Saudi Arabia, I, I try to get one more out of you with one of those modern-day dream scenarios. What's the match that you go to? I feel like the three logical ones are AJ Styles, Daniel Bryan, and Seth Rollins. Those, those to me, are the three matches that I think have the most appeal. Oh, yeah, I'm with you 100% on those. Those are probably, if you're going to list three, those are it. Uh, then I start really narrowing that thing down. I think, you know, there's the potential. You've got a great story there with Daniel Bryan. You know, just the ties that they've had together. Of course, Daniel Bryan training at Shawn Michaels Wrestling Academy, for those that don't know. You've got that built in there. And you've got, and they're almost, you can, they're similar in so many ways as well. Uh, where you can mirror them. Uh, but I actually, and then I would probably take Seth off the list. I know he's, he is seen as kind of like the modern day Shawn Michaels. I just don't think that if you're looking at, you got a one shot opportunity here, it's gotta be styles. It's gotta be Brian, but I would give the edge to, I think AJ styles. I think you get a better performance. You know, the match I want to see, I, and this, this one's kind of out there a little bit. I kind of want to see the no hair kid take on the greatest sports entertainer that has ever lived in the main event of a takeover. I want to see tomato champ versus the no hair kid. Interesting. Cause there was rumors that the, that the, the singles bout could involve NXT. I want to see Tommaso Ciampa versus Shawn Michaels. Are you seeing these other rumors? surfacing um, about Survivor Series that we could potentially, instead of, we could potentially see DX with two NXT stars taking on the Brothers of Destruction, John Cena, and another superstar. I, I think they enlisted the other superstar, but I can't remember who it was. Did yeah, you see those floating around? I, I I've seen it floating around. And of course, for me, the fun part is to speculate over who the two NXT superstars would be. Um, as, as far as the other side of the match, I, I, number one, I think the idea of doing a four on four match like that is a terrible, terrible situation. 
Yeah, to me, this it doesn't seem like this thing has a lot of legs under it. Uh, it seems like something that's just maybe someone who's thrown out there. If they would go this route and you have the tag match in Saudi Arabia, that is, I mean, you talk about overkill. Yeah, I agree. You talk about beating a dead horse. Yep. And that's probably what they'll do, in all honesty. Who would be your two NXT superstars? Have you given it any thought? Oh, man, that would be tough. I haven't really thought about it yet. Because actually, well, when I read the story, I was just, I was so turned off by it. And I knew that would drum up some conversation, but I just didn't give it much thought. Uh, who, you would, I mean, immediately you're trying to think of some of the top performers. But to me, wouldn't you want a pair that would kind of fit into the DX dynamic? Yeah, I guess you could go that way. You could go that way. I, I immediately went to the two biggest stars in NXT. That's right. I want to see a DIY reunion. I want to see Tommaso Ciampa and Johnny Gargano team up with Triple H and HBK. And this is what leads to Tommaso Ciampa versus Shawn Michaels. She's something along those lines. I could, that could work. I could, uh, I, I could see Hunter and Sean kind of being that, look, we have had wars too, but we have realized that we are better together, you know, and, and maybe you, you, you kind of get that a little miniature DIY reunion only for that bastard Tommaso Ciampa to take everybody out be like, no, this is my moment. Not only am I ending the fairy tale once again, I'm taking out legends now, too. I could get behind that. I was also going to, you know, maybe toss out that, you know, someone like an EC3 who's got so many comparisons to a corporate Triple H. Yep. EC3 is another uh, one that, that really stands hearing, out. But hearing, yours, hearing your story, I think that's what, that's what I'd like to see happen. I'm with you 100%, Jargo. I think that would be fun. Uh, let's talk about Bobby Lashley with Steve Urkel and uh, John Cena taking on Elias and Kevin Owens. In case you haven't figured it out yet, Steve Urkel equals Leo Rush. Uh, that's that's very much the Leo Rush character now. We have reduced him to being Steve Urkel. <laughs> yep. Uh, the Urkel. Um, you know, I, I feel like there was a huge opportunity missed on Monday night, Rick. You remember back in the day when we had the doctor of thugonomics, John Cena, how awesome would it have been if John Cena in a Sonics Jersey would have come out and interrupted Elias and Kevin Owens on Monday night raw. Can you imagine the oh. deafening pop? I mean, the place would have, would have exploded, would have erupted. That would have been some epic level shit. I, I think what, you know, the twist there, you should have been, you should have been advertising Cena to hope that he gets you some kind of rating spike. And then for that element of surprise, oh wait, it's not the same old John Cena. Yeah. If you would have brought out the doctor of thugonomics, John Cena in an old school, Sean Kemp Jersey or a Detlef shrimp Jersey or a Gary Payton Jersey, my God, they would have blew the roof off of the key arena. And you could have went right into, okay, opening act, get off the stage. Here I, comes the main event, the main event. I cannot believe how little lip service they are paying to John Cena these days. At least they actually brought him up on this week's show. 
But, you know, at, at no point did I ever hear Bobby Lashley come out and say what an honor it was going to be for him to team with John Cena. Or, yeah, you guys are laughing now, but you're not going to be laughing on Saturday when John Cena gets here. None of that. Like It just seems like Cena is just this other guy that happens to be in this match. Like, we're, we're, we're n- yeah, he might be the greatest of all time, but we're not really going to talk about him. Doesn't make any sense to me. Number one contenders match, Daniel Bryan versus The Miz. Huckleberry, I am seeing a lot of people that are saying that Daniel Bryan is going to win this match. I am still I am still going with, I just think it just adds so much to the story for Miz to continue just getting one up on Daniel Bryan. It's one of the oldest stories in wrestling, right? I know Daniel Bryan's better. You know Daniel Bryan's better. I don't honestly think that. When you look at everything to be a WWE superstar, Daniel Bryan is not better. In a fight, there is absolutely zero reason that The Miz should beat Daniel Bryan other than The Miz outsmarts him every stinking time. That's the story. That's the story here. I mean, my God, how long... And how many times did Tommy Dreamer and Raven fight until Dreamer finally beat Raven? My God, that must have went on for what, five or six years? Did he ever get the win? Yeah. Yeah. He finally oh, beat okay. Raven. He well, it, but hold on. Yeah, he finally got it. But uh, it was, I'm just trying to remember the story surrounding how they handled that. It was even uh, Dreamer himself. Who was like, no, I should never get this win. Yep. He fought and fought against it. God, talk about an epic rivalry. Man, Dreamer and Raven. I'm picking the Miz here. Are you sticking with the Miz? I'm sticking with the Miz. I think it's the right call. But like you said, there's a you know, there's a lot of support, uh, a lot of speculation that, that this is gonna be Daniel Bryan. And I think that as a lot of people are just they're just they they so much they so badly want you know Daniel Bryan versus you know chasing a champion Samoa Joe. I don't think that one's going to happen either. Let's talk about the Shield and the Dogs of War. Uh, talk about a program that uh, I, I'm not sure that I could really care less about at this point. Yeah, you you talk about just really overkill on something. Every which way they can, they are just running this thing out there. And this is, you know, we've got this in a in a six in a six man. But we're getting how many variations of of these matches are we going to get over the course? Over actually to the end of the year because aren't we already getting teased at TLC? They're going to hook up again in a six man. Yep. We know at Starcade they're in a Cincinnati street fight in a six man. And you know they're going to do something at Survivor Series. They'll have something between these guys at Survivor Series. We've already got Braun and Roman involved in the triple threat at Crown Jewel. Yeah, it's overkill, man. It's absolute overkill. Um, The other thing that I think is overkill is this Dean Ambrose thing. I know there's a lot of people digging on this Dean Ambrose. Is he going to turn? Is he not going to turn? To me, this thing seems incredibly disconnected because it's like this is the second time that we've seen now 
where the shield gets put back together and immediately we start teasing that the shield is going to break up again. Well, and then well, we're talking about, you know, the overkill with it. It's like every segment. Yeah. Is, is now revolving around this thing. Yep. And I don't think Ambrose is going to turn anytime soon. The other thing that I think is getting lost here is Seth Rollins. Remember when Seth Rollins was the hottest thing on the freaking roster? Not anymore. You put him with Roman Reigns and you start building the story around Dean Ambrose. Oh, yeah. And Seth Rollins is here, too. I hate it, man. I hate everything and, you know, about really, it. And even going back to the roots, you know, the, the architect. I mean, he doesn't. I mean, he is, like, you know, he is the cool head at one of the bunch. But he doesn't really he doesn't really have a role right now. No, because they just keep fighting the same people. Over and over and over. How many different ways can Seth Rollins de- design to retain their championships and beat down the dogs of war? I mean, that's that's it, pretty it much is, it. Is no one else on the roster like interested in the Intercontinental Championship? Hell, Dean Ambrose isn't even interested in the Intercontinental Championship. Dean Ambrose also isn't interested in the Universal Championship. Yeah, that one got me that open, you know, where he had the three options. And then, well, how about the fourth secret option, me versus you? What the hell is that? Yeah, that's not lunatic. That's stupid. You know, and Baron Corbin to say, okay, well, then I'm going to put you in a match with Braun Strowman. Why wouldn't he just turn around and be like, okay, well, fine. Then I'm going to make it a triple threat and all three of you are going to fight each other. Well, this you know, this entire, like, the speculation, is he going to leave? This I showered on this thing from the get-go when they come out on the ramp. And I, and I love the promo that Dolph cut that week. It was going back, was it two weeks ago? Yeah, I think so. Where they're questioning, well, they got championships. What's in it for you? You know, they didn't they didn't call you when you're on the shelf. Blah, blah, blah. Who did the talking then? It was Roman and Rollins and Dean kind of stepped back. The, the Dean character to me, if you're the lunatic, if I'm thinking back to someone like a Rowdy Piper, he would have sat there and just listened to that. He would have marched up that ramp and started beating some ass. Yep. Yeah. I, I just, the Ambrose character doesn't do anything for me. Never really has. And I like bulked up Dean, but I don't well, know. It's just like, you know, it's just, it's a continuation of the previous version that we saw. They didn't understand what that was and they don't know what this is. Slap of fun little gimmick name on it and hopefully people think that's what it represents well and the other thing that's killing me is now they're promoting this thing as this is the first time that the shield is all going to be together in the ring and this long and but and it's like dude we see it every monday like just because the bell didn't ring doesn't mean that the shield's not out there beating people up it did i don't know man i i've never been a shield guy even when they first came in i was just never a shield guy Entire factions just never done anything for me. Kind of like the riot squad. That entire faction's never really done much of anything for me either. But my God, I hope they win this match as they are going to be taking on. Hold your breath. They're going to be taking on the Bellas and Ronda Rousey. Well, Um, actually, you know, they could steal, they could steal a win here, but they will be very, very far from the focal point of what's, what's coming out of this. To me, it just seems like Brie Bella takes a pen. I could see something on it. That seems like the finish to me. Brie Bella takes the pin. I uh, see. I, if there's anything, I could see a no contest here. 
Oh my god. You're gonna do a six man or a six woman tag I, yeah, I'm and have a no myself, contest. I try to put the, put myself in their shoes, or I could see. I, could, I don't agree with these. I don't agree with these booking decisions, but I'm trying to put myself in WWE creative's position. Yeah, I could see them throwing this thing out, or I could see the Bellows walking out on Rousey. Oh, I and then Rousey that. taking out the entire Riot Squad. Yeah, I could absolutely you see that see, happening. Uh, then I'm also thinking here, you know, the Bellows, they're being real buddy-buddy with Ronda and all this, but they also have a deeper connection with Natalia. Is Natalia going to be the one that triggers this huge turn? Huh. Is this even is this even where this happens? I mean, but if you're going to... you got to be thinking if they're going to do something like this, they, they've got to do it here to kickstart this revol- evolution, right? Mm. Are we absolutely certain that we're going to get Nikki Bella versus Ronda Rousey? We're not even certain of that. We're not even we're not even certain we get a tra- even if they go that route. Who says it's a traditional heel versus baby? What if it's a hey, you know what we work together there, Ronda? You're a fighting. They come out, you know the the next Raw, Ronda. You're a fighting champ. How about me and you hook up at Evolution? I think I pivot and I think I go to Natalia versus Ronda Rousey. At evolution, and somehow you have but, na- you somehow you have point, Natty cost at this, this point team they have mismatch. broken they have broken Natalia down, where she is just a wounded dog each and every week that she is she's not even in the shadow of Ronda anymore. Great time for a heel turn, but how? But she she hasn't proven anything, and she's she's the one taking all these pinfalls. I mean, she's been getting beat up by the Riot Squad. Yeah. And now we're now you're just suddenly going to flip a switch, and we're supposed to buy in. Dude, I feel that way about both women's rosters, top to freaking bottom. Well, I mean, at least with at least with Nikki, you can come in that she has been she's looked strong since she's come back. She's thought of. I mean, isn't she still the longest reigning Divas champ? Yeah, I think so. I think didn't so. They, didn't they make sure that they gave that to her so they could before Char beat her? So they, they they could kind of jump her over AJ. Yeah, yeah. They 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 tried to scrub AJ Lee from existence right. as quickly so least, as they could. At least you have that with Nikki. You have some credibility going there, where they have just totally beaten down Natalia at this point. Yep, I, I I feel like both women's rosters are very beaten down right now. As far as I'm concerned, the best women's roster in the company is in NXT. At least the way that they're booked. Agreed. Speaking of terrible booking, AJ Styles and Samoa Joe. I I don't even know where to begin here. I mean, you didn't even have either one of them appear in front of the live crowd Tuesday on SmackDown. It's your championship match. This has to be the final chapter. What do you think? It has to be the final chapter and AJ Styles has to win. There, there, there's absolutely zero question here. AJ Styles has to win this match. Yeah, I, I go. I'm with you 100. percent But the question, all right. So let's twist the conversation a little bit. Then what for Joe? Mm. Well, you know, it's hard to tell because there's no freaking baby faces on SmackDown. Actually, no. Samoa Joe goes after Daniel Bryan because the Miz is going to be going after AJ Styles in the WWE Championship. Right. So then, so then, Samoa Joe essentially settles into the 
that spot where we need that a top heel figure who occupies programs for our babies. Yep, pretty much. Pretty much. Always the guinea, never the pig. Well, Jay, you know what? Hey, there's nothing wrong with that. Joe is great in every role that he has, but you got to think, and you know, unless unless like there is some unforeseen circumstances where their hand is forced to go with Joe, he'll probably never have the honor of, of wearing that title. Well, the way Samoa Joe is treated and the way Samoa Joe's character is, if you need another baby face on SmackDown, you could turn Samoa Joe baby face real quick and in a hurry, right? right? Do we agree on that? Oh, yeah, I think so. Okay. I mean, he, it wouldn't, it wouldn't necessarily, and he wouldn't have to necessarily be like the traditional baby. Right. He's, but he's he the Samoan be, badass Joe. Right, right. Right. But you put him into a program with Randy Orton and Randy Orton can come back and say, you're just the guy who can't win the big one. Well, and again, you know, kind of to what Randy is playing to himself, you know, those little favorites that came up from from nowhere land where he just went right to the big leagues. He's there to take those guys out. Yeah. I mean, you know, maybe that actually becomes part of Joe's narrative going forward. Joe's the guy who can't win the big one. I'd be down with that. Cedric Alexander versus Buddy Murphy for the cruiserweight championship. Oh yeah. By the way, AJ Styles has to win that match because you can't have another man going up in your house and getting all up on your wife and threatening your kids and all that shit. There's no way AJ Styles has to win that feud. Cedric Alexander versus Buddy Murphy cruiserweight championship. Huckleberry, are you following 205 live at all? I'm going to say, I don't know. I don't know a lot about this one, but I'm going with uh, Buddy. Buddy down under, right? Is yeah, he from there? Yeah. Uh, I'm going with Buddy Murphy as well. Number one, as you said, he's from Australia. Uh, number two, I don't watch 205 Live, but Cedric Alexander is the only name from 205 Live that ever pops up on my radar because he's been the cruiserweight champion for what seems like since Enzo left, right? Well, they had that, there was like a, was it like three months where they ran the tournament? God, did that really go that long? Yeah, that because Enzo left in around Rumble, and they didn't crown that champion until Mania. Oh yeah, I guess you're right. And then actually, wasn't the champion actually Swan? Oh yeah, yeah. And then he departed the company, and then they had to go this route. Yep, you're absolutely right. But it seems like Cedric Alexander has had this title for quite a while. Uh, I'm going to go with Buddy Murphy. I know Buddy Murphy's been having some really good matches on 205 Live. I just cannot bring myself to watch 205 Live. Even though it's on, like, literally right before NXT, I still can't bring myself to watch it. Well, it, you know, the problem there is, it's WWE themselves. They have so much content out there. But look at everything else, you know, just that you and I cover. Yeah. I mean, it's like, you know, I watch MLW. And most of those guys would go directly to 205 Live on the MLW show. And it's incredible just the way that it's presented. All those guys are awesome. Pentagon and Phoenix and MJF on down the line. Well, you've got that. You got that show there. Look at all the hours of New Japan that we watch. Lucha all the hours Underground. Of Under. You know, you watch Lucha. NXT. NXT. There's just only so much that you can consume and something has, has to go. And unfortunately there's some great talents there in two Oh five. 
but it's not a it's not a priority to WWE. So why should it be a priority to anyone else? And there's while there's a lot of really good talent, there's nobody that's a star that makes me say I will go out of my way to watch 205 live because Ricochet is on that show or Adam Cole is on that and, show. And until they make a move like that to invest in one of those guys or a, even maybe two or three to go there and carry that brand, no one's really going to be all that invested in it. Should have been Balor. They should have sent Balor over there six freaking months ago. It, they should have done that. That should have been who you crowned as your champion at WrestleMania. Yep. Absolutely. 100% completely agreed. The New Day taking on the bar for the SmackDown Tag Team Championships. Um, I hope the bar beats the ever-loving piss out of the New Day. I hope they beat the pancake batter right out of their stupid asses. I've been a New Day defender for a very, very long time because they make money. People still like it for one reason or another. But, Rick, it is just getting intolerable for me at this point. Thank you. Thank you for finally getting on board. It's just so you bad. Know, you know where I stand. I have I've been over over this thing for months. Months now. It is getting to the point. It, it is beyond unbearable. But I unfortunately I don't see them making a switch here. I you're gonna get they're gonna they're gonna turn the antics, they're gonna turn that volume, they're gonna turn that knob up to Fucking a hundred for this show, for that audience. Yeah, unfortunately, I one hundred percent completely agree with you. Uh, you know what I would do if it was me? If it was me, if I was booking this show in true Vince Russo fashion, what I would do? I would fly Chris Hero all the way to Australia just to have him interfere in this match. Have Hero and Cesaro beat down Sheamus, turn Sheamus babyface so you actually have another babyface on the freaking SmackDown roster and put back together the Kings of Wrestling because Cassius Ono is going absolutely nowhere. The bar feels like it has pretty much hit its expiration date and I have zero desire to see another best of seven series between Cesaro and Sheamus. Well, all right, then you'd have to. I'm not going to completely shoot that down there. Do, do you think that would get it garner any kind of pop from that audience? Do you think they know who the Kings of Wrestling are? No, I'm just I'm I'm that that done with this program. Like that's how done I because I don't think New Day is going to lose here. Well, it, well, I don't think they're going to lose at all. But I I do like your I do like somewhat where you're going here, and I think it would actually what the bigger picture is is how bad this division is. Yeah, as be, a whole. Yeah, that gives you a major shakeup. You bring back the Kings of Wrestling, you're going to get, even a, even though that audience there might not go over the top for it, they might not understand what's really happening, you are going to send that smart audience around the world into a frenzy to see the Kings of Wrestling you know, reunited, to see Chris Hero kind of get that elevation, to get that run that so many are fearing that he may never see. Now, now who would you pair with Sheamus? For the feud between those two sides. Hmm. That's a good question. That is a very good question. My first thought was if, if you if he was willing to come back, maybe like a Wade Barrett. 
I would love if, if he was available or if he I would to come back. Love for Wade Barrett to return and uh, tag team with Sheamus on the babyface side of the roster just for this feud and then split them off as two singles babyfaces. Right. Because we definitely need babyfaces on the SmackDown roster. Right now, you've got Brian and you've got AJ with Jeff Hardy well, out. For for a short, short-term tag program, and hey, it's one of the guys you love. I'm not all about him, but hey, and he needs a shakeup. Shift a fit over. Yeah. Well, the other thing is, too, you do have Rey Mysterio coming back in a couple of weeks. Uh, Rey Mysterio, I expect, will be debuting or re-debuting on SmackDown 1000 and will just be a part of the program going forward from there. Uh, that is really the my understanding. And I not to downplay Rey Mysterio because, as we all know, Rey Mysterio is one of my favorite talents of all times. I think a lot of this has to do with the Fox deal because – Going back to when when SmackDown was on UPN, all right. When you look at that roster, they heavily featured Eddie Guerrero, they heavily featured Rey Mysterio, and the reason that they did that is when you look at Hispanic households, there's a lot of them that don't have cable that get broadcast television, so they really want a Latino star to really establish themselves on SmackDown at this point. Well, and you had. You also had back then too, you know, UPN, they were really targeting the Hispanic demographic. Yep. And uh, across all programming. Yep. And I think you're going to see a lot of that with Andrade Cien Almas and Rey Mysterio. I very much look forward to when they get into a La Sombra versus Rey Mysterio feud because that's going to be I a hope, lot of fun. I just hope they don't come out of the gate with that. I, I hope that's not the first program. Let's, let's ease into something there. Uh, I hope, you know, I hope like for a year from now, let's get into that. But you yeah. also got to remember, you know, what is the, He's got a two year deal with an 18 month out. Correct. Yep. That's my fear as well. But if you're making it one of the centerpieces of SmackDown live, hopefully we get him for at least two years, Oscar and Naomi versus the Iconics. Uh, Rick, I got this feeling. I got this feeling. The Iconics are going to get this win. Uh, yeah, I mean, why, why wouldn't they? I mean, essentially hometown, right? Oh yeah, because you always win in your hometown. No, that's not the case. That's not. That's not why I think this is going to. No, this is going to happen. And, and I know that we see so often. You know, we hear in the states or you know just in the west when they're traveling, they'll have whoever's wrestling in front of their home crowd go down. But with this being a specialty show like this. I think they're going to want to get that as many pops uh, and cheap pops from that audience as they can. I think this is simply WWE booking at its finest. The last two weeks, we have seen Asuka defeat Billy Kay. We have seen her defeat Peyton Royce. And I think the total match time between those two matches was all of about five minutes, which tells me clearly Naomi is eating the pin in this match. Uh, I'll go with you on that. Uh, just WWE booking formulaic 101. Lowest common denominator booking, as a wise man once said. It's absolutely insulting. Now let's talk about the highlight of the show. Let's talk about history that's going to be made Well, down under. Be, be, before we talk about that, I, I did have one more question about the Iconics for you. 
Do you think they're going to be cheered in Australia? I do. I, it's just simply because it's the cheap, the cheap pop. Yeah, I, I, I'm just I'm very curious to see if if they actually play into being in Australia and hey, we're happy to be in Australia or oh, we left expecting- Australia for a reason and screw no, you people. I am full expecting WWE. They know. I think they, they. I think going in, they've seen the troubles that's already facing this show. They are going to want every cheap pop they can. I'm expecting. I'm expecting the iconics to come out and totally play, play to the crowd, totally ham it up. Expect the the ring gear to represent down under. Well, at least that means Peyton Royce is getting new ring gear. All right, let's talk about your precious freaking Shar Shar going after uh, Becky the Badlass Lynch and her SmackDown Women's Championship. History uh, is going to be made. A title is going to change. And Shar Shar will be coming back with the gold. Do you actually believe that? Oh, I believe. I, wholeheartedly, I believe that. Okay, well, we disagree because I'm pretty sure we're going to get this match again at Evolution with some kind of stupid gimmick attached to it. I expect Becky to retain here by some kind of Tom fuckery. Um, more importantly, uh, how much is Charlotte suffering from this program, man? Oh, I think all around. Uh, they're not doing her any favors. Charlotte got booed out of the freaking building the other night. I mean, that, that audience... They are not having this Becky heel turn. And even Becky at this point is kind of shrugging at it like, what do you want me to do? Well, hey, if she's as good as everyone says she is, then she should be able to get that heat on her. <laughs> I just you can't rip on the Sonics every night, man. <laughs> you know, it's I, I don't know I, what the I, hell it, to do well, here. It will be interesting to see the crowd reaction to these two down here. Uh, is it going to be that pro Becky? Are they that invested in this thing? Or is it that when they show you the hype package that clearly shows Becky is the bitch, will they play along and, and support Shar Shar as the baby? You know, the worst part is, is I don't even feel like Becky's being a bitch here. I feel like they're trying to make Becky a bitch, but there's the problem is everything she's saying is true. Oh, she's a bitch. Oh, my God. Treating my Shar Shar like that. Uh, do you take anything out of Charlotte coming out in all black Tuesday on SmackDown? Uh, yeah, but probably things I shouldn't talk about on this program. But no, I, I just think I just think it's happened to. No, do we get a double turn here? That's kind of what I was thinking, man. I mean, of course, you know, I, everybody knows I'm a big fan of the double turn and yeah, I'm trying to do way more business on this show than what they're going to do here. But I did take note of Charlotte wearing all black Tuesday on SmackDown. That crowd is absolutely 100% still behind Becky Lynch. Can we just correct course here? Please. For the love of God, can we just correct course? Make Charlotte a bitch because Charlotte is a natural bitch. I'm sure that Ashley is a very, very nice girl, but the way that she talks and her cadence just makes her sound like a bitch. Well, it's it's just even her physical being. She is obvious. She is the alpha. She is clearly she's literally head and shoulders above everybody else in the division. 
And when you talk about Zelina Vega, she's a whole torso above her too. I mean, my God, how do you get sympathy on Charlotte freaking Flair? Little Miss Silver Spoon, genetically superior. Like the, everything about her says, I am a heel. And yet they are just so goddamn insistent. Well, when you, you look everywhere else in the world, it would be sports entertainment anywhere like that. She has the makeup of the of what people hate, what right. they're jealous of, what they despise. Well, I mean, even taking it out of that context, all right, this would be like the equivalency of in a feud in NXT, you have Johnny Gargano as the heel and Lars Sullivan as the babyface. How are you going to get sympathy on Lars? You can't because he's so much freaking bigger than everybody else. Kind of like Charlotte. She's kind of a massive freaking woman, man. It's scary. Ooh, a whole lot of woman. Those new gimmicks. My God. Let's shift over to King of Pro Wrestling. Monday morning, 4 a.m. Eastern Standard Time. Now let me ask you, will you be up watching this? Well, yeah, because I'll be well, up. I know work. you'll be up. <laughs> would you get up? Would you get up for this? Um, you- No. I would not get out of bed for this show if I was not going to be at work. Um, I think it's going to be a good show, but no, I wouldn't get out of bed for this show. It's not like it's Wrestle Kingdom. Uh, IWGP Junior Heavyweight Tag Team Titles kicking off the show. Wait a minute. Maybe it is Wrestle Kingdom. Suzuki Goon, El Desperado, and Kane Amaro defending their titles, which I don't think they've defended in at least six months, against Angry Tiger Mask and Jushin Thunder Liger. Huckleberry, we we ran through this whole scenario. We we had Angry Tiger Mask and Jushin Thunder Liger. They were going to run through the the tag league for the Super Juniors. Nope, we're just going to give them a title shot. Yeah, they kind of uh, they just jumped jumped ahead of everything here. Yep. Yeah, that's right. New Japan can do it too. Six weeks creative in about six minutes. I think Angry Tiger Mask and Jushin Thunder Liger are going to take these titles because I think everybody wants to see Angry Tiger Mask and Jushin Thunder Liger as the champions. And I don't think people even remember that El Desperado and Kane Amaru have these titles as we speak. Yeah, I was going to say, we were talking last week and I was asking you, it seems like this division has just completely disappeared from the map. So are they just going to, are they going to try? To just give it to, you know, the vets here to try to just get some life back into this thing. And it looks like, you know, instead of just putting together a long, drawn-out program, like you just said, they're just jumping right to it. And it, it, it has to be the case, right? These titles are only relevant from October until about February. That's it. That's the only time these titles are relevant inside of a New Japan calendar year. We've got to hype it up for Wrestle Kingdom because this is always your kickoff match for Wrestle Kingdom is the IWGP Junior Heavyweight Tag Titles, especially since the Bucks left. There's just been absolutely nothing going on inside of this division. And I suspect that at Wrestle Kingdom, it's going to be Bushi and whoever his tag team partner is going to be, but we'll talk about that here in just a minute. Great bash heel, Togi Makabe and Tomoki Honma taking on Juice Robinson and Hanare. That's right. Juice has already been reduced to a lower mid-card tag team. Yeah, it's going to be interesting to see how Juice is presented here. 
I hope uh, Juice what comes kind of out attitude. pissed. That's what I was going to say. You know, what kind of attitude? Is he going to want to have anything to do with this thing? He was just sitting on top of the world, and now he's working this low-card tag match? Against a guy who's basically a young lion in Hanare. I mean, he's a, a recent graduate from the Young Lion Academy. And, and you're going up against Great Bash Heel, which you know are going to be treated as super huge baby faces because Honma is still in that honeymoon stage where people are just happy to see Honma back in the ring. What do you think? Could we turn Juice Robinson heel out of this? That's What kind of heel would you go with? Would you want him, would it be kind of like the temper tantrum brat? A little bit. I think that's kind of the gimmick I would go with with Juice. Oh, I, of and the, I'm sitting here, I'm picturing the, yeah, I think he could cut some amazing promos. Yeah. As being just like that that rat that's just having these temper tantrums all the time. I think that could be a lot of fun. I would like to see that. The Golden Elite taking on the firing squad. The Bucks Hangman and Chase taking on Bad Luck Fale, the Gorillas of Destiny, and Taija Ishimori. This thing uh it, it, it's getting pretty personal inside of this uh bullet club uh civil war. The biggest question here is what kind of shape is Matt Jackson going to be in? I think we're going to get a continuation of that. Chase eats the pin. Of course, Chase eats the pin. <laughs> Poor Chase, man. Just once. I want to see Chase like pin bad luck Fale or something. Get a big win that nobody's expecting. Feel bad for poor or Chase. If, or Chase, man. What if uh, he ends up switching sides? Ooh. Hmm. That'd be fun. Especially He's kind of a wild card in this entire thing. That would be a lot of fun. Especially you're going to be seeing Chase Owens here very, very shortly, <laughs> yeah, right? At the, at the end of the year, yeah. Him and uh, Pillman Jr. will be hooking up a battle on the border pro wrestling. That should be a fantastic match. Let's talk about Chaos taking on Suzuki Goon in a big six-man tag. As big as a six-man tag can be. But I am looking forward to this because you have Tomohiro Ishii, Roman Reigns, Will Ospreay, Minoru Suzuki, Tai Chi, and Lazuka. Lazuka is always fun because you know he's going to try to eat somebody in the crowd. The match is not actually official until Tai Chi takes off his pants. You know, Suzuki is going to beat up Will Ospreay, and that I always look forward to. Tomohiro Ishii... Any match with Ishii is great. And then there's Roman Reigns. I mean, Hiroki Goto. And uh, Goto's been on a bit of a roll here as well. I would really like to see Goto and uh, Tai Chi lock back up for this never open weight championship just because I want to see Hiroki Goto win that championship so that we can get Jeff Cobb versus Hiroki Goto, champion versus champion, title versus title. Very interesting. Uh, but yeah, for those that, that try to knock New Japan for the theatrics or the you know the dot dot dive kind of stuff. Uh, this this match will 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 correct you. Yeah, this thing's going to be hard hitting. E- even though Will Osprey is in this match, this is not going to be a dot 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 dive match. This is going to be a dot 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 die match when <laughs> Minoru Suzuki gets a hold of Will Osprey. Yes, always entertaining. Look forward to that. Then we have Chaos taking on Los Ingobernables de Japón. Okada, Yano, Sho and Yo, 
Boy, I wonder which Okada we're going to get here, the serious one or the manic one. Hmm. In a match with Shoyo and Yano, uh, my money is on Balloon Okada. And they're taking on LIJ, Naito, Sonata, Bushi, and X. Whoever X is. We will find out Monday, and we will be talking about it in the locker room Monday at hackerhameen.podbean.com. I'm really hoping it's Kawato. Really hoping it's Kawato. But I have heard some other names thrown around, and there are some interesting possibilities floating around there on the internet. Evil. Boy, who else is? What's that? Who else is, is kind of being rumored in that spot? Um, there's a lot of people from Mexico. A lot of uh, the CMLL guys, like if they're going to get a full-on run inside of New Japan, obviously Mm -hmm. Dragon Lee has been tossed around. Neville has been tossed around. Uh, There's a few guys from NOAA who have been tossed around. It's going to be interesting to see which way they go here. Um, And actually, when we get to the end of this card, there's something else I want to ask you about that I just saw come across my desk here just a little bit ago that relates to New Japan and this uh, Western expansion. Uh, Evil is going to take on Zack Sabre Jr. Finally, we're going to get another one-on-one singles match between these two. Uh, Huckleberry, over the course of the weekend, we saw Zack Sabre Jr. once again defeat Evil. And Evil's losing confidence in himself. L.I.J. seems like maybe their confidence in Evil is wavering a little bit. What do you think is going to go down here at King of Pro Wrestling? Yeah, this has kind of been the story, you know, is is the support there? Does he even believe in himself? I, mean, I, I think this would just be uh, another chapter in this or just another, another step. I, you think this has got to have a bigger payoff somewhere else, right? I mean, this isn't going to even begin like the unfair to start the unfolding of this tale. Oh, I agree. I agree. I think Zack Sabre Jr. is going to get the win here. And for what seems like the God knows how many week in a row, I'm going with Jericho to show up here and attack evil and set up a match at power struggle coming up in November. That's what I'm going with. I think. I think it's time for Jericho. Hey, you finally have been saying it every show. It's got to happen eventually. Well, right? I mean, dude, I mean, Jericho has had that IWGP Intercontinental Championship since June, and we haven't seen him in a New Japan ring since. I mean, my God, come on. Let's, let's do something here. You know, I miss my favorite title, IWGP Intercontinental Championship. Uh, your junior heavyweight championship of course, being held up, we had to take away uh, Daryl Takahashi's favorite pillow and uh, hold up the IWGP Junior Heavyweight Championship as Romu can't defend it right now. So we've had this little tournament, and Rick, I am looking forward to this one as it's going to be Kushida taking on the villain, Marty Skrull. I, I, I'm more leaning towards Kushida, but... Just loving everything that Marty is doing right now. I'd love to see him with this championship. I would love to see him win this championship as well, but I'm with you. I'm, I'm going with Kushida. Kushida has been kind of the New Japan ace of the junior heavyweight division, especially if Osprey is going to be moving up to heavyweight in the immediate future. I think it's time for Kushida to take this title, control it for a little while, at least through best of the super juniors and uh, kind of see what happens. We've got to kind of rebuild this entire junior heavyweight division at this point. It seems like it's really hurting now with Hiromu out. 
G1 Climax Briefcase Title Defense. Hiroshi Big Tanahashi match. takes on the Switchblade Jay White. I'm leaning Jay White here, man. I'm leaning actually, Switchblade. It, it's something that you just said earlier really just stands out to me. You were talking about, you know, which Okada are we going to see in the tag match? And you were leaning towards, you know, balloon, good timing Okada. I think we see that there, but I think we see a reemergence in this match of the very serious Okada. Oh, you're predicting that we get a rainmaker, eh? Come yes. out and cost Switchblade this match. Come and get him some of the Switchblade and come and get him some of Gato. And maybe not necessarily to cost him the match. Uh, I could see Tanashi as, you know, straight up, re- you know, keeping the championship opportunity uh, because you want to keep him strong. But then I think the big story coming out of this is we're going to see the next step building towards Jay White versus Okada. What if we take that next step and we don't involve Okada here? What if we take that step? You get manic, crazy Okada inside of the tag match and everything that you said just happens. Remember, we do have power struggle in between now and Wrestle Kingdom. So Jay White's going to need a match at power struggle as well. What if Yoshihashi gets a wild hair up his ass and Yoshihashi comes out here and plays into the finish and we get Yoshihashi versus Jay White at Power Struggle. Could happen. I like that I just, scenario. Yeah, it, White Okada, that has to be a Wrestle Kingdom match, right? That has to be the Wrestle Kingdom match. Okay. But Okada, I just think it, it, it plays in so well to the term Power Struggle. Yeah, well, it's just... If you would go pull that match early. Well, and Yoshihashi is... He was always Okada's number one. You know, other than Gato, Yoshihashi was Okada's tag partner. He was the head hunter, the, the, okay. the right hand so, of Okada. So that, that actually plays in there, too. So it's going to be the first hand, the first gun coming at Switchblade before the setup, before the big match with Okada. Yeah. And I, I think that makes it even more personal for Okada. As it stands right now, like, yeah, there's a personal issue there, but Okada is not the kind of character that comes down and, like, interferes in matches. Or I, I, I feel like we have to build Okada to that point, to that explosion point, because Okada is such a chill character to begin with. He doesn't really seem like right now he necessarily gives a whole lot of a fuck. Well, then that gives you an extra to build up that fire in him. Yeah. Yeah, because, I mean, we, we saw Okada twice over the course of this weekend, and Okada doesn't really seem bothered by anything going on at this point. Almost to a fault. You would think Okada would be pissed off at this point. Speaking of guys that are pissed off or should be pissed off, if I'm Kota Ibushi... I'd be pretty pissed off right now. Kenny Omega says, All right, Abushi, it's going to be me and you one on one. You're finally going to get your big match for the IWGP World Heavyweight Championship and that slimy, dirty douchebag. The manipulator. Cody Rhodes weasels his way in there, and we have a triple threat match. 
I, I, I don't understand this. I To me, the only logic here is we don't want to do Omega versus Ibushi on a one-week build. So we're going to slide Cody in here, too. I think I, I, that's that's it. I mean, it's as simple as that, Jago. It's We don't want to give this thing away this quick. Let's, let's throw Rhodes in here. Because this, I mean, adding Cody is really doing nothing for that audience. Right. Now, sure, it, it might you know, pique some interest from the Western fan base, but it ultimately comes down to we know we have a much, much bigger match with with Coda and Kenny, so let's save that. Let's let's keep teasing it, but we'll save that big payoff for later. All right, so here's the uh, the the final thing that I really wanted to talk to you about here, Rick, <clears throat> as we were talking about this card. It seems as though there is some backstage tension currently at New Japan Pro Wrestling. There is a report out in the current Wrestling Observer that New Japan Pro Wrestling President Harold May instituted an administrative calling that has caused some backstage tensions. May, of course, becoming the New Japan Pro Wrestling President earlier this year in the midst of a swell of business inside the company and set about releasing popular members of the New Japan Pro Wrestling audience. These jobs were then filled by people from outside of the wrestling industry. Does this sound familiar? It sounds an awful lot like uh, early 90s WCW. Yeah. Uh, Almost to a T. It's disheartening that May would dismantle the team that has brought New Japan Pro Wrestling to a financial boom period. Ticket sales have been up, and this year's G1 Climax was the most viewed in the history of the tournament. May's administration mo- administrative moves suggest the company doubling down on their Western expansion. As strong as New Japan Pro Wrestling is at home, it is fragile abroad. Fighting Spirit Unleashed on September 30th was rife with empty seats despite partnerships with Ring of Honor, CMLL, and Rev Pro in Western markets. Um, just kind of looking through the rest of the article here. Does the, does the company itself or May issue a statement? Man, I don't know, dude. Uh, there, there is something going on here that is absolutely bothersome for the new Japan pro wrestling purists. Um, and like we were saying, this sounds an awful lot like early nineties WCW. Well, let's hope it doesn't get as bad as the herd era that, you know, that we saw for WCW and what, what ultimately what that did, uh, almost just completely destroying that company. If not for, you know, Turner stepping in and, and saving them, uh, being that lifeline, but we have been talking about this for, for weeks and months, and you being a, a, you know, pretty much a purist there, Jargo, I've, I always ask you, and, and I continue to ask you as they evolve, and does your perception evolve of this? You know, are they getting it over their heads with this Western expansion? Oh, yeah. And I think they're going to get kicked right square in the dick. Because as we have talked about before, I think the potential of uh, NXT Japan or NXT Australia, the something in that market is very, very feasible. 
And the WWE has the talent underneath of their umbrella right now that if they launch that brand, they can kick New Japan right square in the balls at home. Well, if you're WWE, really think about this. You know, a lot of fans that get on WWE for so many things, but they know how to handle themselves. They have played this game before. They probably realize, you know, they're just strategically positioning themselves. They have seen other promotions attempt this, and they know they could they can almost just sit back and let New Japan just implode on its own. Yeah. But, I mean, you know, they could absolutely speed up the process of, oh, you don't like how Hideo Itami is being used? Go watch NXT Japan. He's over there now. Finn Balor? Yeah, NXT Japan. TM61? NXT Japan. The club? NXT Japan. I mean, they have a lot of people and under their umbrella who are not just Japanese talents at this point, but have made their names in Japan at this point. Well, we've talked about too, you know, what we were talking about, you know, the potential partnership with Noah. If they wanted to run a show over there, the names they could send, that would just be a complete, complete punch in the face to New Japan. Oh, yeah. Kick right square in the dick. I mean, because they could launch a brand new promotion in Japan tomorrow, and your main event is Prince Devitt versus Shinsuke Nakamura. That'll sell out. That that'll sell out most shows in Japan right now. And and with the WWE style, you'd be introducing a new dynamic where you could have you'd see male and female performers on the same shows. Yeah, yeah, because you could have Asuka versus Io Shirai. I mean, they're both under the WWE umbrella. They they have it. Tony Storm versus Kyrie Sane. Like they they could put that match on tomorrow. And Corican Hall and sell on, the fucking sh- place out. Also on a show that has Finn versus Knock. It also has yep. that that has Kenta on there. Yep, and also, has it also club. has the club versus TM61. Oh, and, and by the way, we're gonna send AJ Styles back over there for a show for a yeah, match. You know, just just for shits and giggles. We'll send over uh AJ Styles and uh you know, maybe your your main versus- event. Versus Almas or something. Yeah. Versus, you know, the originator of Los Ingobernables. Yeah. You know, like just ridiculous shit. They can do absolutely absurd stuff. And then you know, with the relationship with Noah, they can bring in Maru Fuji real easy too. And you do Maru Fuji versus freaking Kenta on a WWE show. Get the fuck out of here. Burn Japan to the ground. Even if they did it in Rapungi. So that's going to wrap things up for this week's episode. Thanks for listening. And if you haven't already, please search for us on your favorite podcast listening platform. Simply search Hitting the Marks. Give us a subscribe if you would be so kind. Then head over to the Roar Network at thegorillaposition.com. Check out all the other killer shows on the platform. Catch RBV and I this Monday in the locker room, hackerhameen.podbean.com, as we break down these shows and preview Raw and SmackDown Live for you. Then you can catch me Wednesdays at One Wrestling Video for another episode of This Is NXT. As always, you can find me across all social media platforms at NotJargoRBV. Where do the golden lovers find you? As always, you can catch up with me across all social media at the real RBV. I know I do this every week, but this week is just a, it's just a little more important that you do so. Make sure you're heading on over to Facebook and you are finding 
the Hameen Media Discussion Group. We have got our super showdown pick'em challenge going. Uh, that thread is up, so you want to find that. Get your entries in. A lot of fun. And then make sure you're uh, – uh, hey, do you think Acer will have a live discussion thread? Yeah, I wouldn't see why. Why not? Well, where he's at, it would only be 2 a.m. It's only 2 o'clock where Acer's at. Hell yeah, I absolutely expect a live discussion thread out of the Acer. Man, that, that guy just doesn't quit, man. Very he's dedicated. Very dedicated to his craft. That's it for Season 2, Episode 39. For now, we're off like a prom dress. See ya! Crunch your fingers. Label me. I don't give a f- Violation!